Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Have you heard it on the news About this fascist group thing Evil men with racist views Spreading all across the land They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say... Yeah, nah. Yena Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters. Good afternoon, gentle listeners. Welcome to Yeah Na Passaran. I'm Andy Fleming. And I'm Cam Smith. Joining us on the line from Mexico is Emmy Bevancy, a Mozilla Open Web Fellow and anti-fascist researcher. Thanks for joining us, Emmy. Hi, great to be here. Uh, first off, Emmy, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your work generally and what it entails? What does a, a Mozilla Open Web Fellow do? Yeah, basically, I pitched a project to... The fellowship uh, and my project is about using data science to support uh, detecting and analyzing hate groups, white supremacy movements, but also like large scale state backed disinformation campaigns on social media. So I'm just interested in the way that harmful web content propagates and trying to pull the, the power of these tools away from the very scary oligarchs that, that monopolize them right now and try to movements a little bit with them. You recently published an article on Bellingcat with uh, Alexander Reed Ross and uh, another activist about the Iron March forums and uh, some analysis you did of the recent leak of them. Uh, could you tell us what was Iron March and uh, sort of what purpose it served in the wider fascist ecosystem? If we think back to the Weimar period in, in pre-war Germany, the emerging Nazi movement was able to kind of gather steam for a different push is... I don't speak German, I just read it. In 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 the bar halls, you know, you know, shooting shit in bars and stuff like that. And so in a sense, it wasn't it wasn't that well interconnected, like what we can do now with the internet. So when you have a fascist forum like 8chan or Iron March, um, it enables people to connect internationally around ultranationalist, syncretic, violent politics and sort of egg each other on. And when you have something like Iron March, which is founded by an explicit national socialist fascist kind of in the national Bolshevik realm called Alexander Slavros, it it sets the tone for the whole thing. There's no, there's no plausible deniability. There's no wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, like maybe HN tries to do. Uh, It's just a fascist forum. And so people were able to connect. For example, we talked about national action getting connected with Adam Waffen. And so national action being in London, in the UK, Adam Waffen being mostly based in the US and sort of collaborating and building campaigns together and encouraging each other. So part of this is trying to build up the confidence towards active measures, um, but also just building connections, sharing graphic design, sharing different money laundering schemes, weapons, 
organizing trips. Most of the people from from Iron March, you know, went to Ukraine. A lot of them are Azov battalion supporters, sort of the Nazi wing of the of the Ukrainian resistance movement to to uh, Russian occupation. The founder of Iron March, Slavros, as I understand it, was based in Russia. Is that correct? It seems very likely that he was based in this quite posh suburb of Moscow, which I'm not going to try to pronounce. But certainly he was based in Russia. He He's kind of a Russian ultranationalist. I consider his politics to be very much along the lines of Alexander Dugin, um, who's this famous red-brown fascist, has a lot of influence over the Russian military. Except for Slavros was more purely fascist than, than Dugin uh, is. One of the reasons I ask is because there's been quite a lot of discussion about the use by the Russian state of disinformation campaigns and other forms of political trickery to influence elections and understandings of events outside of Russia. What do you see as being the connection between these uh, Russian fascists and Russian state-based disinformation campaigns? Can you comment on that? Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot going on there, but I think before I dive into it, I'll tell just a little funny anecdote about that, which is the way we first fell into this project was that we got the the SQL database, you know, just like the leak of this entire website and all the IP addresses, all the private messages, all the passwords, emails, everything. And of course, you know, the first person that we we're going to invest, we we're going to look into in there. This was before there was the beautiful ironmarch.exposed um, website that was made by Jewish worker that allows you to kind of look through things really easily. So we just had to use SQL, which is this code thing. And we were looking into Slavros, you know, being one of the founders, probably the founder. Um, and his we, we pinged his IP address for a location and it pinged inside the Kremlin. <laughs> And we were like, oh, shit, this is serious. Like, we should um, double check the quality of this information. Uh, but if this is, I mean, and in all fairness, uh, Russia has launched cyber warfare using like GRU offices, not even using VPNs because they don't really care. Um, so it was a possibility that it was some sort of crazy psyop. But we were we were skeptical from the beginning and... And it turns out it's just a weird infrastructure thing with how centralized Russian internet is, that it just pushes all of Moscow's traffic through the Kremlin, probably so that the Kremlin can monitor and ultimately shut it down. Um, so that was a red herring. But the reason why we're even, you know, a small smidge believing in it is because uh, there is a sort of really strange hybrid warfare movement coming out of the Kremlin that is in some ways influenced by like Dugan and the Zborsky Club and this sort of national Bolshevik movement in in the military apparatus of Russia that emphasizes sowing discord uh, between the far right and the far left in order to destroy the liberal center with the hope of kind of collapsing the United States and sort of the so-called West uh, such that Russia could seize power vacuum. And Dugan has like very specific, super 
cranky politics about some wild, pretty wild conspiracies about Russian white supremacy, but it, that's not the whole of that's not the whole of their government. There's people disagree on how they should engage geopolitically, but it's a quite influential wing. Obviously, it played out in the 2016 elections, but I always feel it's really important to stress that a lot of those tactics they learned from the CIA. Um, so they just reformatted them with Russian ultranationalism and then sent them back to the U.S. This sort of fascist movement within within the Kremlin, but there's also, uh, Russia has anti-fascism laws. Quite possible that Slavros got picked up on those laws at some point, like he got too explicit. But that's why now, my suspicion is that national Bolshevik stuff is a little easier to get away with because it's not as explicitly fascist. It's kind of got this Russian ultranationalist communist thing going on um, that they can sort of hide behind hammer and sickle and not trigger the uh, swastika-related laws. That's uh, another question I wanted to ask is uh, you began by making a comparative reference to Weimar Germany and the Nazis' use of propaganda and how some of those things are potentially being revived. And of course, I also think of the Daily Stormer, an important neo-Nazi website, which riffs upon the historical Sturmer uh, Nazi publication. And yet, in the case of Iron March, as you've said, there's this so-called national Bolshevik element that's presenting what they uh, appear to believe will be more palatable to a wider public. So can you speak to how certain traditions are retained or revived and uh, there's attempts to create new ones in order to reach a broader audience? And how does online culture facilitate those sorts of strategies and tactics? I mean, fascism has always been at least 50% aesthetics in my mind. The desire is to create some image of, of a possible future. That's that whole, I guess the technical term is palingenesis, palingenetic ultranationalism, like the myth of rebirth. And so, you know, that's jack boots and sharp symbols with red and black colors and things like this. And I think that those sort of attempts at propaganda, are, they're trying to engage deeper, deeper processes in the way that our brains and our eyes and our ears and our like deeper drives work and trying to hijack those in, in, a, pro, in a project of trading political power and ultimately murdering minorities. And I think the internet is great for that. That's how algorithms work. For example, the algorithms that guide um, social media work. Um, they they play off similar um, deeper drives. So social media algorithms are designed to optimize against the metric of engagement, which is just a technical way of saying the longer someone pays attention to this and the more they click and the more they type, the more of that type of content we want to push. And so that's going to be things like hate clicks. Um, conspiracies are really, really good at conspiracies tend to have this really, you know, provocative language. Um, and so there's been a handful of studies that conspiracies spread quite a bit faster than, than like just normally stated factual reporting. <laughs> Plus, you know, we're experiencing obviously a fascist resurgence right now, a global one, a deeply interconnected and international one as a result of this internet infrastructure. 
Um, and we have uh, a kind of good and bad phenomena, which is there's a whole generation of new activists coming up. And that's really exciting in, in one sense, because, you know, the world is kind of getting radicalized on a bunch of issues. But at the same time, it's tricky because people who've been in movements longer have seen the ways that entryism happens and have seen reasons why different factions of different movements are prone to becoming quite untrustworthy. And it's not that easy to communicate those kinds of lived experiences between generations of activists. And so I think we have a, a quite big vulnerability when when someone comes along and, and is like, like, like Alexander Slavros and is like, I believe in workers' rights. I believe in climate change. And I believe in, and this is so gnarly and disgusting, but uh, in the way that they're manipulating it, but I believe in indigenous sovereignty uh, is a pretty like common line amongst both the pro-Russian separatists, fascists, and the pro-Ukrainian separatist fascists. Um, and so sort of utilizing these buzzwords that people are really excited on the left to rally behind to make inroads and then introduce fascist politics in a more populist way. You are listening to 3CR 8.55am, streaming online at 3cr.org.au and on your digital radio at 3CR Digital. This is Yena Passaran and we are currently talking to Emmy Bevancy, an anti-fascist researcher in Mexico. So with the Iron March leaks, uh, you did some uh, analysis of all of the data that was in there. Uh, what some, were some of the insights that you derived from that? So for this, we didn't do a ton of like data science stuff. We were mostly still just parsing through huge amounts of data, but we made some tools that facilitated people to research it further, um, such as two interactive maps we made allow you to kind of look at IP addresses in your area and see what email they signed up with and try to draw whatever conclusions you can from that. But through the combination of different tools and SQL queries that we made, something, the main things that popped out for me were the way that they abuse unstable miners, like particularly not exclusively for white Miners, because there are a bunch of rich members that we saw. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of like, and this isn't a sob story for Nazis. It's just the reality of how they're manipulating people. But a lot of these kids were in super abusive homes. And then these people were like, hey, you know, we're the brotherhood you, you need. And gave them something to believe in, you know, a sense of community and an ideology to their teeth into and a job and a sense of importance they're quite strategic in, in scooping people up when they're like 16 you know one of the members who went on to organize for adam often be like sort of a district leader in his opening post was like oh yeah i'm 16 years old i work at papa john's uh i got into fascist politics uh from from talking to my friend you know and then we bonded over Trump later on or whatever. So that was pretty wild in sort of like a child soldier's sense. You know, I don't want to overdraw in that comparison, but that's kind of what was happening. Um, and then the other thing was just like the sheer rampant, uh, like 
excitement about using the use using the U.S. military infrastructure for training and recruitment. So just tons of people were like, "Yeah, I'm in the U.S. military," uh, or like, you know, writing a lot of strategies around we should we should join the U.S. military, or different people talking about like which fascist symbols you could wear around base and which ones you couldn't, because there is laws against Nazi symbolism in the U.S. military, but they're very like uh, inconsistently enforced by the sound of it. They would be like, yeah, if you use, if you use, you know, the Songkriegen or whatever, the, the chaos symbol thing, you know, your, your higher up won't have to report you because a lot of the time he probably agrees with you, uh, but he would feel obligated to report you because he could get in trouble if you didn't. If you wore like a swath, if you found like a swastika or something. So they were pretty, pretty heavily organizing through the U.S. military infrastructure, which of course we already knew that they were, that like they're, they pull from veterans of foreign wars with like PTSD and, you know, the sort of racist conditioning of U.S. imperialism to try to convert them. Um, in terms of uh, developing responses to this material, you've spoken about the use of algorithms to, that promote certain material. Presumably those algorithms could be altered so that they don't promote this material. It's possible to place pressure upon the tech companies to more properly regulate content. And so there are a range of, I guess, uh, law-based or state-based responses in terms of the anti-fascist response, what do you think is the most, you know, worthwhile way of engaging with this material and with the people who are drawn to it in a way that actually works, is effective and draws, you know, angry young men away from this sort of politics? I, my answer here, my answers here might be unsatisfying in the sense of I'm, I'm always going to side with complexity on issues like this. So, for example, on the technical side, uh, it's just not easy. Um, hate to, I, do, I do machine learning, like I'm a machine learning professional, and detecting hate speech online is, is quite technically challenging project. Uh, if you're Twitter and you have, you know, seemingly unlimited funds to devote to it, you could probably do a lot better than I would do uh, hacking away in my basement. But nonetheless, uh, Human language, what's called natural language processing, is, is a quite difficult realm of machine learning. That's not a free pass. Obviously, um, huge amounts of funding went into surveilling and detecting Muslims in the United States and uh, on Facebook and other places. And uh, they got quite good at detecting ISIS and Al-Qaeda con content. Um, and so there's obviously clear priorities in what gets enforced on these platforms. But there's also technical, there's also, you know, delicate political questions like if Twitter gets really good at detecting and removing fascist content, which we, we would hope that it would, um, you know, at the same time, this is, this is the sort of libertarian argument, and I'm saying libertarian in the sense of the U.S., which uh, I know that movement doesn't translate as well to other places is that, you know, if, if they get good at removing one type of content, then it's kind of up to their whim about what kind of content they want to remove. 
So nothing would stop them in the future from removing anti-fascist content other than so other than public pressure. So we we kind of have to like force these companies to have an ethics and to not create like, you know, false equality between Nazis and people who think Nazis are bad. And so that's like on the technical side. And on the political side, I have kind of like a diversity of tactics mentality in that I think that a lot of things need to be happening all at once, but that we need to, like communities need to look out for each other. I personally don't have like a huge amount of faith in like law enforcement infrastructure dealing with this pro- these problems very effectively, not the least of which because a lot of people get pulled into white nationalist movements in the U.S. through the prison system. So throwing them in the prison system to deal with their Nazism, it's an extension of, of the like false solution, false solution of prisons in the first place, but very specific like negative externalities with regards to Nazis. Um, and so I tend to lean more towards community-based like awareness campaigns and sort of in the streets solidarity. So, you know, finding out, oh, there's this Proud Boy gang in your your city. Well, you know, find out who they are and go talk to your neighbors about it or talk to your local bar and be like, hey, these dudes tend to cause a lot of trouble uh, if they come into your bar. Uh, They tend to get in fights. They tend to make homophobic content, comments, and be really no rapey towards women. So I would, I would suggest like banning them from your bar. You know, those, those kinds of like really old, long practiced anti-fascist sort of strategies, I think are definitely part of the solution. I, I support people who do counter recruitment work, though there's a lot of sketchy actors in that field, both in the sort of countering violent extremism law enforcement infrastructure side of that, but also uh, there's a few organizations that just seem to actually quite sympathize with with the Nazis, they're so-called trying to counter-recruit. But that being said, you know, there's there's all the famous cases like Derek Black, where wherein, you know, strategic counter-recruitment has had a quite large impact. I just I just don't I don't have any easy solutions in this. I think my somewhat pessimistic view is that we're not actually going to stop fascism. All we can hope to do is shorten its its reign, this coming wave. I hope that we can lessen the severity, severity of it because it's not a question of whether it's going to come, it's already come. It's a question of how long and how, how far it goes. And that's, that's I think, our, our strategic goal. And then ultimately, much more liberatory experiments my, my politics aren't just that we should stop Nazis, <laughs> but that's a good start. That was Emmy Bevancy there talking about the recent Iron March forum leaks, Duganism and everything in between. If you'd like to check out more of Emmy's work, you can do so uh, on Twitter at Emmy Bevancy. That's E-M-M-I-B-E-V-E-N-S-E-E or at EmmyBevancy.com. This has been Yeah Nah Passaran. Here's Goggle Bordello to take us out with American Wedding. Keep it locked in, though, because Global Intifada is up next.
American wedding? Where's the vodka? Where's marinated herring? Where's the musicians that got the taste? Where's the supply that's gonna last three days? Where's the band that life on fire? Gonna keep it going 24 hours! Celebration just doesn't come to mind. Die! 